What's up, everybody? I hope your Thursday is amazing. Welcome to another live episode of the Modern Lending Podcast. We're having technical difficulties, but that's what happens when you're live. You just kind of kind of roll with it. So I hope you enjoy. This time, I'm joined by a buddy of mine in the industry, a content master, somebody who I look up to a lot, who's obviously killing it in personal production as well. We're running a big team, but we decided we would talk about the worst mistakes we've ever made in our mortgage careers. Um, one of the things I attribute to my success is the ability to learn from other people's mistakes and not make them myself. But of course, I made a crap load. So without further ado, let's bring on Neil and talk about the worst mistakes we've ever made. What's up, dude? What is going on, man? We had to pivot from computer to phone and all the stuff because you never know with technology, man. Yeah, dude, we had to uh, make it work. So hopefully this, hopefully everybody could hear me and see me. But um, yeah, I have a whole setup sort of like Alice. And for some reason, it wouldn't connect. So we just I threw it out and we're on the phone. now. Yeah, dude, but that's okay because we're going to talk about the worst things that's ever happened when uh, in our yeah. careers. This is not one of the worst things. This is probably just a minor inconvenience. So, Exactly, dude. Neil, for those of you guys who don't know Neil, you're missing out on like one of the content leaders of the mortgage industry. You know, this guy's putting out incredible messages, inspirational stuff, tactics. Um, I saw that this morning you're giving away a Rode wireless podcast, a wireless thing, which I love these little things. That's pretty Yeah, cool. yeah. Those are awesome, dude. Uh, I've been using those um, in content for the last year, and that has been the most reliable mic. And the quality, as you can probably attest to, is amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so if you go to follow Neil on his Instagram and his second handle, you get a chance to win one of those. It's really cool. Um, but Neil, you know, so we, we talk so often and a lot of the times, you know, in our content strategy, we're, we're super optimistic, sharing tips and tricks, tactics, you know, we're kind of showing the, the glowy side of our business and then our, and our energy to kind of help people because social media can always be filled with lots of negativity. The news is terrible. You know, so, and I appreciate that about you and what you do. Um, but I thought this would be a fun conversation to just kind of go back at our careers and mortgage and take a look at some of the mistakes um, that we've made in origination from the, the little stuff to the major, mega stuff. And hopefully, you know, give people a chance to hear it, laugh with us. And then, you know, at the same time, maybe save somebody from making the same mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because uh, I did a post about this recently. I said the shortcut to success is simply listening to others who have already done what you're trying to do. Yeah. Right? And, and you know, so many times we're trying to figure things out and somebody's doing it already. They've already found success. Just replicate it. Do Put your own spin on it or re ask for help. Like, I've been, I've been amazed at, like, how helpful people are, how willing people are to collaborate. If yeah you're someone that executes. Now there's a bunch of people that ask questions and never do shit. And then those, you know, that's the, then you eventually uh, get known to be one of these people who always talks and doesn't do. And so I, you know, I have tons of, I've had so many calls with people and they, they continually ask questions and, and eventually I get to the point where I'm like, dude, just do it and just try something at this point. Because if I see you like executing and I'm sure you feel the same way, Alec, like if you see your team executing, dude, you will, you'll bend over backwards to help them because they're yeah. trying. But the guys who just keep talking and never do, those are the ones that you get like, you, you, you kind of get like, come on, man, we got to, we got to get started here. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, it's just a matter of like 
uh, you know, trying to get get people to do what what just to try any of the twelve or twenty ideas that they have in their head, just try one of them. So for everybody watching, and if you want to put in a comment or a bet here on who's going to have the most biggest mistake, um, I have a bet with Neil. We'll see who comes out on top on this one. Um, so just to frame it up a little bit. So Neil, you're actively producing, running a mega branch. What are you on pace to fund this year? Dude, I don't even know. Um, it's so bad because I don't even look at my numbers. I'm just shocked when I see them every month. But I guess we're at, what would it be if, we do, if we're doing $30 million a month? Yeah, there uh, you go. That's enough. That's fine. $30 million a month. Okay. <laughs> of production it's kind of you know what's your average loan balance about because you're in uh reno yes uh so our last month our average loan size was 380. there you go and so uh, we were chatting before the uh episode started you know my last year originating so i originated from 2003 effectively through 2008 and that was kind of my journey um and so i had plenty of mistakes i made on the origination side and then when i got into leadership plenty of mistakes there so let, let me kick off with the first one, kind of a, a like a low-hanging fruit one, Neil, and see if you can top okay. me. So in my first year originating, and so I'm, I'm very insecure. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I have some knowledge. I'm dangerous, but, you know, I don't have any relationship at all. And I saw a buddy of mine. Oh, I should, well, let me frame this up. I saw a guy who was in the city next door um, in real estate, and I went to college with this guy. In fact, we played on the UC Berkeley volleyball team together. So like I knew him, right? Like we'd, we'd gone to practices before. Like you know, I spent probably two years playing with this guy. And so the problem was that in college, you know, his focus was not necessarily on, on volleyball. It was kind of on, you know, weed. And so <laughs> he is doing that Berkeley. It's fine. No judgment. But he was in real estate now. So I call him up and I get voicemail and I'm like, dude, like, you're in real estate. I'm in mortgage. Like, let's get together and get a launch. It'd be great to hang. I haven't seen you since college. Hang the phone up, turn to my buddy and go, I cannot believe this guy. I, I, of course, this guy's in real estate. In college, this guy was the biggest stoner of all time. So of course, he's selling real estate. What a joke. And then all of a sudden, I hear through the speaker, if you're satisfied with your voice message, you know, please hang up. If you'd like to erase and re-record press three. I panic. I freak out and I hang, I hang it up and I send them, I send the message. Dude, that is crazy. Uh, why didn't you hit the pound button so you could erase the message? I, you just... Full panic, full panic. Oh my God. Sent it. He never called me back. I didn't know if I should call him again. Like I just, I just, I just moved on. <laughs> like I just was like, okay. Yeah. And I, dude, I've heard about these all the time. I hear people uh, reply all, and you know the you're talking crap about is on the email. Um, oh. I've seen some disasters, and luckily for me, I mean, I would if I had one of those, I would beat you because I've not gone off in my emails before by mistake. But now I think that's one of the rookie mistakes. Is like. Uh, you know, it's funny but at the same time. It's it's really like just something that everyone needs to get over. You get so emo, you get so emotional in this business. Like you know, yeah. so much is on the line with the deadlines, and um, people, the referral partner are on you, and and there's movers, and there's escrow deadlines, and there's these deadlines, and, and it's all on your shoulders. And when something goes wrong, you, it, it's like I I really feel like it's like you got dumped. Your boss response. Is like you literally got dumped in uh, ice cold water. Yeah. And you have a fight, fight, fight response. And you, that's why people lose 
in, in a lot of these in real estate and mortgages because you get these uh, I don't know you just get like worked up but then you go off on somebody so but I started and I hadn't I've never I've never sent somebody an email and then regretted it uh, but what I've done is I just had a rule typing it out and not sending you know what I mean because like you type something out you'll be like, like if somebody really let you down or screwed like I'll type it out and then not send it and then come back to it like when you've calmed down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, it's, it's just uh, getting a little bit of the of the like robot clickiness on the Wi-Fi. So just a heads up, but I know we're powering through. Um so so you've never sent an embarrassing email, you've never done a, a reply to all. You've been you've been you've dodged that your whole career. Yeah, I don't know if it's dumb luck what I've had some near misses. Like, oh crap, and not done it. So I could have you if I had sent one of those, but um, that's a mistake that I think a lot of people make is just getting caught up in the short-term panic and then sending off something that you're going to regret. What's up, Arturo? Yeah, no, no doubt, man. So you're following the old, like, write the email and then delete it, get get the emotion out, and then don't send it. <laughs> yeah, or just, just don't send it, and then you'll find you'll like, redo it. You know what I mean? Um, yep. So I think, yeah, that, that, but one of the mistakes I made in the beginning was probably overselling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, You've said this before. You've shared this before. So, you know, what, what, what did you learn? What were you doing? And what was the mistake? So I think in the beginning, you, you feel like you need to like oversell yourself. So I would go into meetings and, dude, if I recorded these meetings I had with referral partners, like I wouldn't be able to watch them back because they were so bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's worse than like your videos. It's worse, like, because it's just so embarrassing because you keep talking about like, oh, I do this and we do this and we do this. And like a yes man, you say we can do all these things. And you're just trying to like impress because you're so desperate for them to um, the thumbs up, you know, and, yeah. and to send you that first referral, but you're actually, it's working against you, right? It's, it's terrible. I, I watched, I got lucky cause I was too insecure to actually like talk through that kind of stuff and like actually pitch myself in the beginning. So I do just like say hi and like ask them how their day was and like run away from like broker previews. But I literally watched a title rep walk into a real estate open house. I'm sitting there talking to the agent and then I, I said goodbye and I was going to go see the rest of the house and the title, I heard the title rep from the other room literally like corner the agent and be like, why aren't you sending me business? And I was like, oh my God, that's so uncomfortable. Like how? And like, I'm, I can just picture the agent being like, because I don't like you? Like, what do you say? Like, it's such the wrong yeah. approach. It's so awkward, right? And uh, just making that awkwardness is like why they would never use you ever again. You know what I mean? Like, or even consider using it. And I think people are putting, you know, just that used car salesman kind of attitude uh, or scripting or whatever that is. It's just, the other person feels so awkward. Um, so I think I had plenty of meetings like that and I wish I could redo all of them because like, dude, it was just, it's just embarrassing, you know, but the point is, I think you probably have to go through those to get to the good ones. Same thing with content. So I guess it just comes with it. But uh, yeah, I think a major mistake I made was not being confident in what we, what I had to offer. You know what I mean? So there's many things I had to offer, but because I didn't have the confidence, I was overselling and then it comes across wrong. So speaking of not having the confidence, so I have a, I have a story 
when I was young, uh, decided that I was going to be a sales manager and try to grow a team. And so I went and I'm personally producing, I was funding, you know, eight to 10 million a month and I'm running around trying to hire loan officers. And at 24, you know, who wants to, who's going to work for you? You know, you're like, I'm, I was like a year in the business. So I, I found some loan officers and I convinced them to come like try to work around me in my little satellite office. And I had this one loan officer who was just this huge talent, but couldn't execute and just kept failing and not. And, and all of a sudden this guy came to me and said, I need money. And I was so personally like attached to this guy that I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to help you. Like, what do you need? And he's like, I need five grand and gave me this whole sad story. And you know, I, I'm like, I, I'm like, sure, dude, I'll lend you money. Gave him five grand and he left the country the next, the next week. Like not a joke, like actually left the country. <laughs> Whoa. And from then on, I realized uh, that wasn't a good move. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. Um, have I, you had, uh, what, what have you had as far as like, um, uh, mistakes you've made with, um, with regards to like hiring and firing and things like that? Cause I think we've all had those kind of mistakes, right? Oh, massive ones. I mean, so when I started trying to become a leader, whatever that means, and that's kind of like a perpetual journey forever, you know, um, man, we chase top producers, Right. Like you chase top producers. Like, yeah. Like I want to notch the belt. I want to get a victory. I want to hire this guy or this gal. And you go after these top producers and you can, you can blow up your entire office with a terrible culture fit. And so, you know, and you, you get all, you get kind of your eyes get all big. It's almost like chasing that top realtor too. Like you get all like, Oh my God, that top realtor, like that, the number one person. And like, in my experience, the number one realtor in a lot of markets is always just a train wreck. And like they're they're competent and they do a lot of business, but they'll blow your whole career up. Like they'll blow up your business, your office. And the same thing happened with me several times. Is just you know a wrong culture fit. I get excited because I'm like I see the numbers. I'm like I'm gonna land this whale. I'm gonna hire this guy or gal. And then a year to two years later, it's like just ending violently because it just wasn't a good fit. And I'm like, man, what could I else that I've done in those that year to two years if I just to go in a different direction. Yep. So that's, um, that's a, that. the middle producer is like the best one. I, I have the same, I've gone after the same mistakes. You look at that list, that production list, and you're going after the top referral partners, the top guys. Right. And those guys aren't your best referral partners. Uh, I have a relationship with some of those people and they're great. But to be honest, the ones that with the, the most, we do the most business with are in that middle pocket, you know, that they're just steady, consistent, and they refer you because uh, you have a real trust there and a real value that you guys provide each other. You're true partners, like true sales. Like I'm an extension of that guy's sales team and vice versa. So um, like, I think what a lot of LOs don't get is that what we say and what we do can really impact a buyer's decision. So it's not just, we're not just a vendor like, Hey man, can you use me? Just like the like selling home warranties. I mean, don't feed yourself to this low step of just another vendor because we're talking to these clients in the very beginning and what we can say, like what we do, how we attach financial opportunity to this whole transaction. Like that's huge impact to whether somebody even moves forward. And I think like once your referral partner gets that, that you're a true partner on their sales team, now it's just a totally different type of relationship. And some guys get that. And I noticed the guys who are big, big producers, they don't care. They're like, dude, I'm so big. I'm crushing it. I don't need help. I just need someone to close the deal. And if you don't close it, then you're out. 
Yeah. You know, that's the kind of relationship. I mean, I think the biggest mistake I made and had to learn through, and I know everyone else did in there that has become successful through origination was just finding the right partners, right? Like not being greedy, not being like, I mean, I, I, I tracked the top 100. That was my, when I started as a, as a newbie, I was like, here's the top 100. And I was hunting all the top 100 agents. Well, that, that wasn't smart. They're, they're not necessarily the best cultural fit for me. You know, um, they do a lot of ton of production, but you know, I probably spun my wheel a lot with a lot of those people. And then, you know, the, the abusive agents who just take you for granted, like you're talking about, who just want to beat you up and, and cause you so much stress and pressure. And you're like, and you take it on because you're like, I want the money, I want the business. And that's a huge mistake that everyone, I think, learns through as they kind of hopefully mature through it. But I still know some really great loan officers that are stuck in that space. And I'm like, you've been a loan officer for 15 years. Stop. Yep. Like, stop the yeah, cycle. I have that. On your life. I have, uh, I have that. Mis- this is a mistake I made for years. And probably people, like you said, 10 year veterans still make this mistake. It's chasing short term dollars over you know long-term benefits so I, I think it's like you're always looking for the next deal you're always looking at you know things transactionally mm-hmm. and less about the relationships so i think like at some point something changes and you're like okay i'm going to switch from transactional to relationship when you have a relationship driven business now it's totally different stop looking for your next one deal you're looking for your next hundred deals looking for a relationship that's going to produce that and so that I think chasing short-term dollars is the number one vulnerability of all the loan officers, including myself that, you know, just until recently. So I got another really good one. And I think you probably have several of these too that you've probably learned for, but um, in packaging loans or even in managing people, you know, sometimes there's a problem that's going to happen. Like you see the problem on the loan. You're like, oh crap, like this is a problem. And instead of going and addressing it with the customer and the realtor being like, this is a problem, I'm working on solutions. Some people, especially myself, I tended to go try to find solutions first. And that's fast if you can be really fast at finding solutions. But if it's taking a long time and all of a sudden the customer and the realtor and everyone thinks everything's going great and it's not, there's a big problem and you're trying to solve it and not, you haven't alerted everybody. um, It's just that, that to me is, is a major rookie mistake. Um, and if you're dealing with personnel and like somebody's acting up or they're out of culture or they're, or they're beating up underwriters and you're just kind of like not addressing it fast and you're letting it cook like that, that caused me undue stress and problems in my career. It's just like, when there's a problem, just tell everybody there's a problem and then yeah. come at it from a solutions oriented position. But I don't know. I mean, that was a big learning curve for me was like trying to solve stuff without telling people, Hey, this is actually going to be a problem. Yeah. Under communicating. So like, if you over communicate in this business, it helps everything with staff, with referral partners, with borrowers, like everything it works with. So I just try to, um, I used to do the same thing of just hope something doesn't get, you know, it doesn't come up and then inevitably it does come up and you get, you know, you get hosed at the very end. So that's a, that is a, that is a a rookie mistake and it goes all the way through veterans. now. of course it's like, thing with like a low appraisal a low appraisal comes in and you don't tell anybody because you're trying to fix it or renegotiate it and like everyone's like was the appraisal back and now you're like you're kind of lying and like you're just it's a like stop like just immediately like it's low yeah maybe they're mad at you or the realtor blames you for some reason that the appraiser came in low or but like tell people what's going on they'll respect you more if you shoot straight so i have relationships with people and if i if you call them Alec and you're like, Hey dude, why do you like working with Neil? He shoots me straight. That's it. 
it's all it is. Like just somebody's like, okay, you've written escrow for 25 days in a market where appraisals are taking 30. Okay, we're not going to, like, I'm going to tell you that on day one. You know what I mean? Like yeah. depending on the situation. Yeah, I'm going to try and rush. I'm going to do the best I can. But I just want to let you know right up front that this may not work because of the environment. And I don't want to mislead anybody. So I don't want people scheduling movers and installation of this and that. And, and then I'm going to be the guy that lets everybody down again. So I need to tell you this right now. And they will say, thank you for telling me. Like, it's not, they're not going to rip your head off. By the way, if anybody watching has a great horror story of a mistake, share it. Cause I, I'd love to hear, you don't, don't name names, don't name names, but like, just if you have, you, cause like, here's, here's where my head went, Neil. Like I had a situation where we're under a lot of pressure right now, specifically like this happened like last week. There's just a lot of loans. And I wish we knew that every loan officer was going to put in six loans instead of their normal two, but like we didn't know. And this is now in a position where a lot of companies are impacted. We're hiring the world. We're trying to get ahead of the, you know, the whole curve. And I had a, I had a loan officer who had an upset customer. And so she was like, I have to hit docs on this refi. And like, well, we're prioritizing purchases right now and, and we'll get to the refi, but maybe just give them an extension, give them a credit, you know, tell them, we'll, I'll call them and say, we're sorry, but like, they're still living in their home and we got somebody's moving van. We got to get this done. And all of a sudden, what I found out was she's like, she sent me the text chain uh, with this upset customer to kind of show me how upset the customer was. And I scrolled down and the loan officer had committed to docs to the customer. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. so like the pressure from the customer caused this loan officer to tell them docs will be out next week, as a, which is not reality. They just, they just bent to the pressure. And now they're trying to, you know, shove it through the system because they committed to something that isn't happening yeah so this is trying to please everyone this is the uh you can add that to the top list of loan officer fails trying to please everyone by trying to please everyone you're not because your people know you then as someone who's unreliable because your word is your bond right that's your reputation that's our brand our personal brand is our reputation i mean if you nobody understands personal branding it just means reputation right 100%. so uh, trying to please someone and overpromising, that that that's got to be a T-shirt or something, a sign on a wall in the it's office. Like overpromising. Yeah, it's just the, it's like the number one fail of every loan officer across the industry. Overpromising. I've done it. I, I've made mistakes. I wanted that realtor to. to I, I so I just I just said I oh yeah I could do it and like I know knowing I couldn't do it I had to go like we've all done this mistake and it's a it's a it's a killer. A killer. Well, they're put. Some people are pushing very hard, so I I totally get it. I I feel that pressure. They call you and they're like, "Can you do this?" And you say, "No, it's not going to work." Well, can you do it anyway? Yeah, <laughs> like, dude, really I just said no. Yeah, or they start threatening you, or they start, you know, they 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 like, well, they call your boss and they call the, the CEO, and they're just it's pre it's hard. It's hard to lead through it with transparency. Yeah. So, um, yeah, overpromising, underdelivering. That's a huge one. I think another one is. Um, talking not listening so you're telling your staff to do this 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 and they're not doing it well what's the problem maybe there's a system problem maybe there's a there's something that's making their jobs more difficult and not looking for the real solution so you're looking at the flare-up the like the end of the line problem but you're not going back to the root issue which is like hey when we put the loans in there's this thing that's not being done and it's causing this huge delay throughout the whole process or this huge headache on this person now this person's losing it at the end, but we could have fixed this thing in the beginning, you know? So yeah. um, I think like just every, 
I don't know what, what the saying is, but they're putting like gum in it or like, we're like plugging holes in this business all the time. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're not fixing the leak, the main fucking leak that's way down the road. We're just plugging the holes at the end here. Totally. So, okay. So here's a, here's a good one from, from management um, and leadership that I experienced. And so let's do what you got here. But um, I had a, like a aha moment. So this goes back into 2010. And so I was at um, Bank of America because Countrywide has acquired, the crisis went down, the world had ended. But in 2010, you know, my branch that year did a billion dollars, a billion fifty. So 70% refi, it felt a lot like, like this. It, we weren't in the twos, but it was like there was loans falling from the sky. And I had built my entire career up to then on the purchase market. I, I, I all on realtors, all on builders, all on like what I was been taught as sustainable business because refis mm -hmm. come and go and this is the bread and butter. And so at some point I was so dissatisfied with the, with the company that um, I, I was going to make a transition to a, to a non-bank that was more purchase centric that could close loans on time. And the team who I, I just, I had such a tight connection with these people. Um, like several of them just absolutely broke my heart because they, they, they came with me, but then they went back uh. and I was what, what we were so tight and I, and I, and I, what happened? And I, I learned one of the biggest life lessons of my career, which was, you know, I became super resentful. I'm like, you left, you, you left the team, you left me. I thought I was your leader, all this stuff. And, and what I learned was everyone's on different journeys and we might be on the same journey for a period of time together, but some point, you know, for, for some of these guys, like they wanted to make that refi money. They wanted to make that refi money and, and going out and getting purchases was brutal, you know, and there's refis at the bank just falling from the sky and they were, and they wanted to make that money. And, and I was like, I, I was judging them for not having long-term perspective. I was resentful for leaving the team. And then I had to realize we're just not on the same journey anymore. And, you know, go with God, like go do you. But I, it was a major life lesson for me because I, it, it really emotionally affected me until I realized that in life, we're not always on the same journey forever with the people around us. It might be for a period of time. It might be for our whole life. It might be for five years. Um, but at some point, if somebody decides they want to go on a different journey and, and you want to stay true to yours, um, I got a lot of freedom from kind of going through that experience. It, it hurt me a lot, but I learned a lot from it. Yeah. I had that same thing where, you know, the guys we started with, Cal, the girls we started with, then, you know, we worked for a company, that company went to us and kind of, we kind of, you assume we're all going to go together. And then you find out, you know, a month or two later that this is going somewhere else and he didn't tell you, or this person's going here, she's starting her own thing. And you hold like, dude, I held those, uh, like, um, that resentment or that kind of like just angry at that person for, for like, you almost feel like abandoned, you know what I mean? For yeah, a year. For sure. Like, and then you're like being ultra competitive with that person. Like I'm to get them. And yeah. There's no point. Like it's stupid. But, uh, I've, I have people like to this day, um, I know in the, in the business and I'm like, Hey, what do you think of so-and-so or Hey, she's crushing it. He's crushing it. Dude. I hate that guy, man. We used to work together. And he bailed on me. I'm like, what do you mean? That dude, that was a decade ago, bro. What are you talking about? You're like, they're still holding on to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it's and, and that and that is a it's a cancer, right? You got you gotta cut that out because it's gonna hold you back. It held me back. 
um, from like letting go. And so it was a, it was a, it was a tough experience, you know, but the, the other mistake I made in, in leadership was I had a really close employee who had worked for me for like almost a decade. And, you know, we we're buddies. Cause as you work together for a long time, you, you, you know, the personal commingles, you know, you just kind of start to build relationship. And I promoted him to a branch manager position when I had a manager um, retire. And I'm like, you're ready for this. You're the man for this. Like, do you want this? And, and he said, yes. And then he took the job and I kind of took my eye off the, off him. I was like, cause I, he's like, he's a, he's a stud. He's a total stud. I'm like, he's got this dude. And all of a sudden, a, a few years later, he, he resigns. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like how? And, and what happened was I just, I just wasn't connecting with him and asking him, are you okay? Do you like this? He was doing a great job. I'm like, are you happy? And turns out he wasn't happy. He didn't like it. He didn't like leading loan officers that he had inherited. He didn't like the job. He felt like they were all whiny and, and, and pain in the butt and all that stuff. And I was off doing growing branches, doing other stuff. And I never took the time to come back and be like, dude, are you good? Cause you're presenting as good. So I don't see any smoke. I don't see any fire. And all the time underneath the surface is dissatisfaction you know, and, 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 and he, and he left and it broke my heart again. And I realized, shit, like that's on me. Like I could have helped him find another opportunity. I could have done lots of different things, but I, I just didn't even check in enough on the deep personal level to be like, are you happy in the role you're yeah. in? Even though you're presenting happy, I, are you really happy? And, and so and, if, yeah, you're, uh, what you just said, like, I don't know, it just clicked with me. Um, this is what we, everybody needs to do right now in this business if you did not you know we're making jokes and stuff and, and there's a lot of fun with with learning from mistakes but this is super important right now like our people our ops people are our biggest asset today like you just if anything you you have to know right now that your team and your people are the most important because you can't do this you you can't be a one-man show no way I mean, you can't do any of this stuff on your own and how you can get stuff done is through a great team and great people. So I forgot, I, you just reminded me, like, I need to ask every single person on my team. Yeah. Hey, do you, like, are you okay? How's it going? Okay? Is there stuff, is everything like what's going on? You know, and, and you just get so caught up in the, you, you know, work, 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 work. And are you, how many times are you asking them? And I think like that could be the difference for somebody, you know, maybe they, they feel like, we're just using and abusing them. And really we do care about them. We just don't say it, you know, enough. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're saying it, but we, we get, we get Jason, what's up, dude. Um, we, we get stuck on our own stuff. We're, we're self-focused by nature as a, as a species for like self-preservation. Like, so we just, we, we go internal a ton and you're right. Like that's a mistake. Um, we need to go external and, and check in with people. And it, it, it was when I learned and I'm still, I still struggle with it. Cause all of a sudden I've been like, Oh my God, I haven't talked to that person in like two weeks. Are they okay? Should I call them? Crap. Happens to Dude, me still. Just sending, sending a quick message. Um, I got this the other day, um, on Instagram DM from another, uh, from a colleague who's not even in our company and he sees all the stuff I'm doing and he sent me a voice memo and then said, Hey dude, love your stuff. I see you're crushing it. I just want to check in with you, dude. Are you, how are you managing all this stuff? Are you okay? That's cool. And I was like, dude, actually, uh, yeah, I know I post the highlight reel, but it's a behind this like front. There's a lot of shit going on. You know what I mean? Like we're, it's a struggle. Like I'm, you know, managing 
people complaints all these people are coming to you with all their problems and then you have your your personal life family kids you know pandemic issues school issues like there's a lot going on right now and uh just someone saying that they care is really super important especially right now by the way that reminds me of like something i'm trying to live by that i'm still not doing a great job on which is Everybody who's going to get a text or a voicemail or an email from you is going to receive that in this mental headspace they're in. So if, they're, if, they, if their dog just died and you just sent them a text of like, hey, can I get docs today? Yeah, <laughs> they're going to receive that in a really negative way. And, and you just were probably just like, hey, are you getting docs today? Like, that's like the K&P uh, skit with like the misinterpreted text exchange. Have you seen that thing? It's incredibly... Yeah, yeah. Dude, this is the problem. This is a, you just brought it up. Okay, adding tone to someone's text is a major mistake. Okay, just read it flat or read it with a smile. Someone says, "Hey, um, what's going on with this file?" You could say that mean, or you could say, "What's going on with this file?" Like, say it with a smile. I don't know, but people are like adding a negative tone to everything written because, like, right now nobody will pick up the phone. We use instant messaging, awesome. DMs, texts, right? So they're adding all this tone. And people, I've, served, I've seen people get into full blowouts with other staff members. And the person that they're mad at didn't even intend anything that this person interpreted. Like completely wrong, you know? So uh, that's a huge mistake going on right now, especially in the age of text-only communications. No phone, no context, you know, no face behind it. Yep. So I would just say this: add an add an emoji to your uh, to your requests. You know what I did? I up with my team, my my staff um, who helps us. We have a whole we have a staff of about 100 people in India that helps us with um, like docs and CDs and things like yeah. that. We have an offshore department, and those guys well, I'm friends with all of them on Facebook. Like, they message me and they're like, "What's it?" You are you a celebrity in America? And I'm like, no, dude, I'm just a regular dude in, in Reno, Nevada. But they're like, uh, um, they're just, they're so enamored by everything going on in the U.S., you know, because in other countries, I, I think that's one thing we don't realize here is how good, how good we have it here in the U.S. But these guys, um, I've become friends with all of them. And so when I ask them for something, I'm like, hey, man, uh, I noticed these, this didn't get done. Can you please get this out? And add in an emoji that's contextual to them. So like, uh, I add like, you know, the thank you emoji like this, you know, because they would understand that in India or, you know, just something like that. And those guys really feel like you're empathetic to what they're going through or just a fist pump or, you know, when it gets done, send a high five. Yeah. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing that. Low Nothing. Group. So. All right. I got my, I got my last one here. We're hitting the end. So if you saved your I big mistake to the end, let's, let's, you can go after me and pop it. So, um, I, I grew up in a household with um, strict parents, but also a really strict code of personal responsibility. Like, and I had great mentors. You know, I, I always tell this story, like on the basketball team, when we um, were winning CIF, I was the point guard. And, and during this one play, um, my power forward, the best player on our team, you know, he's supposed to hold a fist out if he's going to cut back door. And in this little basketball speak, if he's going to come out, cut back door, he's supposed to hold a fist so that I don't pass the ball to the air. Well, he's turning the other way and going back towards the hoop. So in this one play, he didn't hold the fist out. He cuts back door. I just sail the ball into the audience because he cut when I didn't think he was going to cut. And I'm yelling at him at the break and the coach just stops everything. And he's like, who threw the ball? 
he just shuts it all down. He's like, who threw the ball? And I was like, I did. Because I kept making excuses like, well, he didn't put his fist out. And and the coach was like, who threw the ball? So I grew up with tons of personal accountability. And one of my favorite phrases is the grass is never greener somewhere else. And I built my entire career on this. I would struggle and strive and be like, I got to mow my grass. I got to take care of my garden. I got to stay here. I got to grow this thing and grow this thing. And, And anybody in the way, grass is not greener. Like, keep going and keep going until I was sitting in the dead bones of Countrywide up in Calabasas after Bank of America took over in Angelo Mazzillo's old office with the guy named Matt Vernon who was running Bank of America home loans after the crisis. And I had worked at Bank of America now for two and a half years, built my branch, continued to build the branch, no excuses to the number one branch in the country. And we were dying because we had no operational support. Felt very similar to this. We had no, yeah. we just dying. My branch was originating 400 million a month and only able to fund 100 million dying and i'm like i will hire everybody who i will bring them on just give me the permission i'll hire everyone i'm sitting in this guy's office because everyone was just telling me side stories and he goes i know you can hire everyone alec but we're not going to do it and i'm like why you, you have so many customers who are just destroying who are so angry um neil back then in in my market in southern california realtors were writing in their contract we will not accept loans from bank of america in the contracts like that gnarly. And so I'm sitting here like, why? And he goes, we're meeting shareholder demand. In fact, we're exceeding shareholder demand for the mortgage division. We're going to blow through all the numbers. And the enterprise is more important than your loan officers and the customers. They'll just cancel and go somewhere else. And it's okay. And I was like, wow. You know, everyone else besides you was not telling me that. They were telling me, help is coming. We're working on it. And I'm like, you're not, it's been a year. You're, you're not working on it. And then I realized that no matter how hard you believe in personal accountability, this is not, mortgage is a team sport. Like you said it earlier, Neil, like with operations, if they were gone today, you're, we're screwed. It's over. Like you can't, you don't get to do loans. Life is a team sport. And if you're not all pulling on the same side of the rope, I don't care how much personal responsibility you have. If someone's taking a crap on your garden that you're tending behind you, wearing the same jersey as you, like that—that's not true. And I and I and that was hard for me because I had never left a company. I, I was ride or die, personal responsibility. Grass is never greener. And then I got this crazy moment where I was like, "Hold on, it's not about the grass is greener. It's not about devaluing personal responsibility. That's still massively core." to anybody's level of success, but you got to be on a team where people are going rowing the same direction or you'll never get to where you're trying to go. And so, you know, it, it kind of just, it was a learning lesson because I spent three years at the bank and I'm one, I always wonder like, what could I have done if I would have realized that earlier? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's just one of those moments where I'm like, man, that was three years. That's a lot of time. I could have been doing something, building something, and then I took this lesson from you too. I guess this is hand in hand with this is I wish I would have gotten to social media earlier, <laughs> like five years ago. I wish I would have focused on this space that we're hanging out in, in a serious way, like 10 years ago. It yeah, was a this, is a, this is a huge thing in our, in our business. I had, I had one, uh, I had two things, uh, you know, kind of to, to wrap up of like, of like what, you know, mistakes, you know, that I think people are making that they could, they could improve on. And, and a lot of them are tactical, 
you know, yeah. they're a little tactical, but what you just said kind of made me think of something that's even more important. It's this, you know, what is the average age of a loan officer nowadays? Like, isn't it old? 50, 50 plus. Okay. It's old. We're old, we're old guys. Um, and uh, realtors too, right? Yeah. I'm thinking a lot of guys I deal with are late forties, you know, yeah. real, real estate agents. I think we're plagued in uh, this industry in particular by the shit what it could have. Yeah. Right. I should, I should have done, I should have done, I should have been on IG five years ago. I should have been on this. I should have done that. Dude, I've wasted years at, at, at a company not growing my business, just being transactional and, you know, going month to month and this huge roller coaster of, you know, big ups. And then I'm down for months because I didn't prospect and I had yep. no, like, I was just running a hamster wheel. I never had no sustainable business. So in a, in a, in an industry where everybody's plagued by should have, would have, could have, like, it's just the wrong mindset because you have to think about this. Uh, I thought it was too late to make a shift. Mm. And cause I'm in, I don't even know how old I am. I'm in late, I'm late thirties now. So like, dude, I still have 30 years of work yeah. left in me, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are we talking about? Right. Yeah, so we're, like, I know it's, it's, you hear this cliche, like it's not too late, but dude, it really is. If you're in your thirties and you're like, dude, I haven't even started social. I'm still doing the sales you know, the transactional sales model. I, I don't have the right relationships. I don't have the right team. All is lost. So many people get in that mindset and then they just never make the change. But do, there's plenty of time to make any change that you want. It doesn't like how many times do people say this? Oh, we've had a bull run in, in mortgages and real estate for the past decade. So it's probably coming to an end. So, you know, I don't, I'm not going to like grow my team. I'm just going to ride it out till the next crash. You know, like yep. there is no crash coming probably in certain markets, you know, it's not going to be the same type of event that occurred in the 2008 was a once in a lifetime event. You can't yep. plan for another once in a lifetime event. So I think that uh, getting out of that should have, would have, could have, and just making the changes you need to make. That is huge. That that's advice that anybody could, could implement and like probably change their business and life right now. Dude, that's, that's actually the perfect message to end on. Cause I can't, I could not echo and agree with that more. It's like everyone, you know, Gary Vee says it all the time too. He's like, you're, you're young. You got start now, start now and see what you can accomplish in the next 10, 20, 30 years. There's plenty of time left. But he, you know, people think he's talking to 25 year old. He's talking yeah. to you, 42 year old Bob, who's doesn't, isn't where they want to be business wise and financially. Yep. You can, what could you do in 10 years? Just think about what you can do in 10 years, 20, like, you could start from, dude. I could. You could take away everything. I could start from scratch and just knowing what I know, you know. So the all the failures, all the mistakes. Like this is the topic of the today thing. Mistakes. All those are going to be the reason why something awesome happens in the yeah. next two years, or, or they're going to be the reason why you get to where you're going to be in five years. So don't think of it like, you know, as really mistakes. Just think about like I, I just did a post about this. I said there's value in failing because then you know how to win. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I would not be where I'm at or who I'm at or who I am without the massive mistakes I've made. Right? They 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 grow you, they teach you. You're, you're if you're not if you don't make mistakes, you're not playing the game. And so I look back and I laugh. I, I make sure I hang up my phone every time now. <laughs> like I make sure <laughs> that when I'm hiring somebody, I look deep into their soul and like, are we a good culture fit? Like I I I make way different decisions that caused me less pain and hopefully and ideally bring me more success because of the mistakes that I've made. So it's the only way you can learn. That's like it. learning by doing, right?
Well, dude, you're the man. I, I thank you for rapping with me for for 45 minutes about the mistakes we made. Um, I'm sure we'll make many more. <laughs> we can come yes. back every year and I'm, I'm going to make some today. <laughs> so, and sorry, dude, about my connection. If it was messed up, I'd uh, I don't know what's going on here tech wise, but we rolled with it. You know what? I, I, people are going to appreciate it more because there's no BS, dude. Sometimes phones don't work. What are you going to do? You know, like you're going to move on, close loans. Neil, thank you, dude. Have a wonderful rest of your day. For everybody out there, stay safe. We'll see you on the internet. All right, dude. Thank you.